taking any chances with just saliva today. If you're busy with us for the first time, we are in a sermon series entitled The Difference Maker. And Sunday by Sunday, we're just looking at stories from the Bible that describe personal encounters people had with Jesus. And we're noticing a pattern. And that is, when people had a personal encounter with Jesus, he made a difference in their lives. He made a very positive difference in their lives. And uh, because he is indeed the difference maker. And the last time I preached, I preached from Mark chapter 5. And we learned a lesson, I think, of incredible value about Jesus. We learned that Jesus can make a difference when nothing else can. I'm going to repeat that. That's a, that's a big lesson. I think it's important. Jesus can make a difference when nothing else, nothing else can. Now that came as really good news to a segment of our church that I would describe, for lack of just better wording, uh, Christian addicts. Uh, let me define what I mean by that. I'm talking about well-meaning, God-fearing, sincere Christian men and women who love God, God loves them, yet they have allowed themselves to become enslaved to some sort of addiction. You say, Ronnie, you think that happens? I think it happens all the time. I think our churches are filled with people who are battling some form of addiction. They've either allowed themselves to become physiologically dependent upon some substance, substance or they've allowed themselves to become emotionally attached to some behavior perhaps. Either way, you see yourself participating in behavior we would describe as self-destructive, I guess. You recognize that it's costing you, and it's costing you something you're no longer willing to pay. And so you have tried to change over and over again, unfortunately, each attempt ending in utter failure. You know why? Something's taken control of your life. You're no longer in control but whatever this is you've become addicted to is now firmly in control. Am I talking to you? If so, what have you become addicted to? Could it be that you're addicted to alcohol? You, you've, you've got to have it. I mean, you've, you've got to have it. You've developed that addiction, that that physiological dependence on it, and, and you now use it to the point of intoxication on a regular basis. Is that it? Now, you're gonna sound, it's going to sound like I'm meddling this morning in, in, in a lot of ways, but I promise you I'm not. And you'll see as we get into the sermon, I'm not here to be condescending or judgmental or anything like that. I'm here to help you. It, it may be that your addiction is to nicotine. And you've allowed yourself to become dependent on some tobacco product. You know, I hunt, I fish, I always have. You know, about everybody I know dips. And, you know, I always, everybody had a little dip, you know, in their lip. They had a spit cup. And they always had this cool ring on the back of their jeans right there where they kept the can. And I thought that was the coolest thing. I'm like, man, I want one of those rings. So I think I'm going to start dipping. Now I remember I was with one of my hunting buddies, and he dipped. And I said, man, I... 
I think I want to try a dip. And I'll never get the look that came across his face. He whirled around, and with a look of shock and terror, he said to me, No! And he said, <laughs> He's going, No! I'm like, What? He said, If you ever start, I'm telling you, stopping is the most difficult thing that I could ever describe to you. Don't do it. Maybe that's your addiction is to nicotine. Maybe you're addicted to some illegal drug. Maybe you have become addicted to and you're abusing some prescription drug. This seems to be a big one in our culture. And it's one that that as a church we have to deal with often. Maybe that's it. Maybe your addiction is to pornography. And listen, I'm not asking for a show of hands this morning, am I? You know, pornography has always been around. It's always been available. But when I was a young man, you had to really work to find it. I mean, you had to drive to Greenville to some sleazy, risky, high-risk theater to, to see porn or you had to walk in brazenly to some convenience store and go hey those magazines you keep under the counter wrapped in plastic I'd like to buy one of those and then in my generation I've seen this change man now they'll pop it straight into your house and you can watch it in the privacy of your home as much of it as you want and then along came the internet and there's another inexhaustible source of pornography and then you know, the next thing you know, they came out with smartphones. And so you can actually carry this device in your pocket seven days a week, 24 hours a day, to give you immediate, unlimited access to porn. And as a result, let me tell you what I've seen. I've noticed that among men, the addiction to pornography is epidemic in the church. It, that's the only way I know to describe it. It'd be epidemic. What about you? Is it spending? Some of you can't stop. You don't have money. You've never had money. But you spend money as though you've got money. And in doing so, you've created a mountain of debt, not only for you, but for your family. But you just can't get beyond that charge, that, I got no pun intended, but that, that, that charge you get with every purchase that you make. What about, I had, since the last time I preached, I had multiple people tell me, if I have an addiction, I, I fear that I'm addicted to social media. That's new, man, that's new to our generation. I have people telling me, I can't go 30 minutes without grabbing my phone and accessing my Facebook page or my Instagram page. And maybe it's not social, maybe it's just technology as a whole. I have grown men tell me, I'm addicted to video gaming. I'm wasting my, a, a, a huge part of my life because I can't stop playing video games. My marriage is suffering. My relationship with my children is suffering because I can't get a hold of myself. Is it gambling? Have I meddled enough? Huh? So when you get on to the, when you get on to the uh, proactive, the positive part of this, and I was going to say, maybe for you it's food. You say, do you think that a person could be addicted to food? I think you can. I think you can be. And, and I'll be honest with you. I'm going to share something with you. Probably not going to take you by surprise if you look at my girth. But I'm beginning to wonder if I don't have a problem with an addiction in regard to food. I'll say that with all sincerity. I've always loved food. And I've never loved the right kind of food. 
You know, I've never sat and binge eaten an entire bag of baby carrots while watching a football game. That's never happened to me. You know, Lynn's never reached across the dinner table and grabbed me by the hand and said, Honey, that's enough on the broccoli. Back off. I mean, that, that's got to be enough broccoli for one meal. Stop. She's never walked into the kitchen and turned on the light at 2 o'clock in the morning and caught me eating another apple. I'm sorry, I just, it was calling my name, honey. I had to get up. I've always loved fried, you fill in the blank, fried chicken, fried fish, fried venison, fried squash, fried okra. And then I'm telling you, you know, the, at, the, at the crowning point would be fried potatoes and onions. And if you didn't know what that meant, let me interpret fried taters and onions. You could fry a cat and I'd have three helpings of it. (laughs) Fill in the blank, cobbler, strawberry cobbler, apple cobbler, peach cobbler, blackberry cobbler, sweet potato cobbler. Thanks to Martha's Kitchen, they've got me hooked on that. The only thing better than cobbler is if you bury it under a layer of vanilla ice cream. You know, a few years ago, I had put on enough weight that I started having multiple physical-related problems. I realized this is costing me. So I made a decision. I'm changing. I tried and failed. So then another physical problem would surface. And I'd go, okay, I'm changing. I've tried and failed, and I've tried and failed, and I've tried and failed, and I've tried and failed. Now, one of the most difficult things in the world is for me to admit that to you. God and I have kind of gone back and forth. I don't want to say that. I felt like he pressured me and said, but you need to. Because they need to understand, you're not looking down on them. You're not preaching down to them. You're not looking at them in a con- Anybody addicted to anything, you're not looking at them in a condescending fashion. I'm one of you guys. I'm a fellow struggler. Now, I don't know what your addiction might be to, but you'd love for things to be different. The good news I I have is it can be. Jesus can make a difference when nothing else can. Now, some of you are sitting there thinking, blah, 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 blah. You think I hadn't prayed about this, Ronnie? I've prayed and I'm still addicted. You think I hadn't claimed verses and quoted verses? Sure I have, and I'm still addicted. You you, you know what? You might be asking, Ronnie, how would you know that I've already done that? You think I hadn't done that too? Then where in the world do I get off saying that Jesus can make a difference when nothing else can? Here's what I know to be the truth. Jesus can make a difference when nothing else. That's the truth. Jesus has power over whatever has taken power over you. That's the truth. If there's a problem, it's not with Jesus. The problem's got to lie within us. And this is, the, this is what I've become convinced of. Somehow or another, I have failed to access the power of Jesus to the degree that I'm fighting my addiction in his power and his strength and not my own. And I, I promised you two weeks ago, when I come back and I preach, I'm going to tell you how. Now, let me tell you what, it was a step of faith for me to say that because at the time, I really didn't know how. And I'm trust, I've been praying, God, show me if I'm failing to make that connection. 
If there's something on my part I'm supposed to be doing that I'm not doing, you got to show me. Now, a lot of this has been selfishly motivated because I want to break my addiction. But he's been showing me some things that he wants me to pass on to you. And I've been doing these things. And, and as a result, I'm starting to win a few battles. It feels good. Now, I've got six steps. Now, that's a whole lot more information than I normally pack into one sermon. And I've got 20 minutes to go over these six steps. I'm going to try not to talk fast, okay? I, I, you know, I want you to understand something. I'm going to, you're going to struggle to retain everything I'm going to say to you this morning. But this is being recorded. You can listen to it again on our podcast or you can watch this sermon again on our website. And if you are struggling with some form of addiction, I want you to go back and use this sermon as a resource. So say, since I don't have much time, let's just go after it. You ready to go after it? To access Jesus' power so that you start fighting an addiction in his strength and not yours, step number one is you've got to declare war. That's step number one. I want to read you some verses. They're found in the New Testament book of 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 and 4. And the Apostle Paul is writing these words to Christian people just like us. And he says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war. Do you see that word? That's a key word. We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons, you see in this, that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, our weapons have divine power. I tell you, they're laced. They're filled with the power of God to do what? To demolish strongholds. That is the key word. That is the key word. From these verses, we learn that Christians, all Christians, that includes you and me, are in a war. It's a spiritual war. And our enemy is the devil. The war is about control. You ever wondered what the devil wants with you? I have people say, man, I just don't want him to take my soul. I don't want him to take my soul. You a Christian? He's not interested in your soul. You're defending the wrong goal line. You say, what does he want from me? As a believer, he wants to regain control. Prior to your conversion, the devil was the controlling force of your life. I guess you could say he reigned on the throne of your heart. The day you were saved, you fired him. You kicked him off the throne. You put Jesus on the throne. And the moment you did that, the devil declared war on you and said, I want that position back. I want the control back. That's what the battle is all about. God has provided us with weapons to use in this war, and these weapons contain divine power. And why would they need divine power? Because it takes divine power, it takes God's power to demolish a stronghold. Now, what is a stronghold? The Greek word translated into our English word stronghold was used to describe a fortress, a fortress no enemy could penetrate. But it was also used to describe a prison, a prison no prisoner could escape from. Now, that latter definition just struck a chord with some of you. You would describe your addiction as a prison you can't escape from. You know why? That is exactly what it is. Biblically, we would describe an addiction as a stronghold. And according to these verses, strongholds are a part of spiritual warfare. The devil cleverly constructs and uses these strongholds against us. That means you didn't develop 
your addiction by chance. Oh, no, 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 no. It was by design. The devil is using your addiction to win the war and gradually regain the control of your life. So what are you going to do? you got to declare war. You must see this addiction for what it is. It is part of a well-thought-out, effective strategy that your enemy is using against you. The enemy is using this to rob you. Of what? Okay, you ready for some homework? I want, if you are struggling with some kind of addiction, this week I want you to take out a pencil, piece of paper, take out your computer, any way you want to do this. But I want you to write down, what does this addiction cost you? Already. Don't just try to think up a mental list. I want you to write it out. What has this addiction cost you up to this point? What is this addiction costing you each and every day of your life? I want you to write that out. I've done that. I've got my list. Matter of fact, I've got it right here in my journal. I've already done that. You say, why would you, why would you want us to do that? You need to see how serious your situation is. You need to see how serious your situation is. What he's taking from you. This is war. And right now the devil is winning. I think it would be wise to use some foresight and consider where this addiction is taking you. If left unchecked. I know what the devil has in mind. That is absolute utter ruin. That's what he's thinking. He's serious and you and I have got to be just as serious. It's time to declare war against the one who's already declared war against us. So that's step number one. You're going to declare war. You've got to see this for what it is. Step number two, you've got to get on your knees and fight. In, in Ephesians chapter number six, the apostle Paul talks at length about spiritual warfare. And he goes through this list. Do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. And he comes to the end of that list and he said, now, in addition to everything you've done, make sure that you pray. That's what he said. You know what he's doing? Randy, he's identifying one of the weapons of our warfare. Prayer. Prayer has the potential to release divine power. That's what makes it such an absolute effective weapon in the context of spiritual warfare, demolishing strongholds, breaking free from addictions. Prayer is a key. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. I know what you're thinking. Ronnie, I tried it, and it didn't work for me. Prayed, 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 and prayed more, and I'm still addicted. How did you pray? Because let me tell you how, how a lot of you prayed. You prayed, Lord, take this from me. Lord, just take the desire to do this away from me. When I wake up in the morning, Lord, I, I don't want another drink. I don't want another dip. Whatever it is, God, I don't want to sneak back up in the night and get my laptop out and watch that stuff on that screen anymore. Just take the desire away from me. He didn't answer that prayer, did he? Do you understand, in essence, what you're praying? You're praying, God, I don't want an enemy anymore. Take me off his list. God, I don't want to be in a war anymore. You know, make sure that, that the devil understands I'm not fighting anymore. God, I, I don't want to have daily battles with, a, with, my, with an enemy. And any, I just want you to pull me out of all that. That's what you're praying. Do you think God is going to answer that prayer? i got bad news for you guys. i got bad news for you. you got an enemy today and you'll have an enemy tomorrow. And you're going to have an enemy every day you live on this earth. God's not going to answer that prayer. 
You're in a war. You're in a war for the rest of your life. God is not going to answer the prayer and take you off the battlefield. It's just not going to happen. Then how do you pray? You ought to start praying like a warrior would pray. You ought to start praying like somebody who's actually going into battle against a superior opponent. You ought to start praying that way. Let's say that this afternoon, 5 o'clock, you got to step in the ring. And you gotta go, you got to go up against an adversary that's bigger, stronger, tougher, more skilled, more intelligent, more experienced than you. You can't run. You can't hide. There's no getting out of it. Five o'clock, you're going in that ring, and you're going to fight that big rascal. How would you be praying? Man, if you knew, there's no getting out of this. There will be a battle. It will involve me. There's a lot at stake. How would you be praying before you entered the ring? More homework. You ready? Think that through. And you need to write out what you're going to call the warrior's prayer. How would a warrior pray in this situation? I'll tell you what I've done. I did it. Now, I'm sharing some personal stuff with you here this morning, okay? I'm kind of going out on a limb. But I did that this week. Can, can I read you from my journal, my warrior's prayer? This is what I wrote. And, and you tell you what I do. Every morning I review that list of what this is costing me. You know why? It kind of ticks me off. It puts me in a mood to fight when I see what the enemy is robbing me of. I'm like, doggone him. And then I go over my warrior's prayer. This is where it reads. God, sometime today I'll fight an enemy who's too clever, too powerful, and too experienced for me. If I try to fight him by myself, I'll lose every time. I need you. I need you to help me. Help me recognize your presence throughout this day so that I am neither fearful nor intimidated. Help me not to allow myself to become vulnerable, but help me grow strong in you. Help me stay alert. Help me learn to use the weapons of my warfare skillfully. If the enemy knocks me down today, Help me get back to my feet and keep fighting. In the heat of battle, help me not to lose sight of what's at stake. But help me see clearly what I'm fighting for. Help me not to define myself by my addiction nor all my past losses. Remind me constantly that I am your child you're on my side therefore I'm a conqueror no to be clear I am more than a conqueror through Jesus who loves me and lives in me that's a warrior's prayer so you're going to declare war you're going to assess the damage that he's doing You're going to get on your knees and fight. 
you're going to start praying the way a warrior would pray. Thirdly, you're going to arm yourself for battle. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. We're going to stop after this one. I want you to listen to me. You've got to arm yourself for battle. In Ephesians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul very clearly identifies another weapon of our warfare. He said, it's the Bible. He even describes it as the sword of the Spirit. It is absolutely essential in winning the spiritual conflict. It is absolutely essential to demolishing strongholds. It is absolutely essential to breaking free from addictions. To ignore this book, it'd be the same as going into a battle completely unarmed. It won't work. I could do an entire sermon at least. I feel like I could probably do an entire sermon series on why the Bible is so essential to winning the spiritual battle. I believe I could. I'm going to mention two to you. One, the Bible is the primary means that wrong thinking is replaced with right thinking. And if you'll study 2 Corinthians 10 that I read a couple of verses from just a moment ago, you'll discover that the way the devil creates a stronghold in your life is by creating it in your mind. It starts off by wrong, creating wrong thinking. That's where it begins. Wrong thinking. He gets you thinking wrong so that he can get you acting wrong. This is okay. That's okay. No big deal. You know, he gets all this wrong thinking, which produces wrong behavior. And then it turns into repeated wrong behavior, which turns into a habit, which becomes ingrained in your life and becomes an addiction, or in other words, a stronghold. And so if you're going to tear down or demolish a stronghold, break free from addiction, all that wrong thinking has got to be replaced by right thinking. And how do you do that? The Bible tells us very clearly there's one way to do that. You've got to be renewed in the way you think by learning the Bible. That's why it is so important to learn the Bible. As you learn the Bible, wrong thinking is replaced with right thinking. And that's the first thing that has to take place if you're going to break free from an addiction. But there's another reason it's such of, of such critical importance. The Bible is our source of spiritual nourishment. It's likened to bread. It's likened to meat. It's likened to milk. In other words, when you and I not only learn the Bible, but apply the Bible, we grow stronger in Christ. That's how we gain spiritual strength. Now, guys, we are not in a physical conflict with the enemy. We're in a spiritual conflict. It's not physical strength we need. It's spiritual strength. And that comes from learning and then applying the Bible. Back to that bout you've got with that big, mean, nasty guy. Let's say that seven days from now, 5 p.m., Sunday afternoon, February the 26th, you're going into the ring against a bad man. He's whipped people three times your size. He is well-armed. He is stout. He is intelligent. He is experienced. you got one week to get yourself ready for that fight. No running. No hiding. You're going in the ring. You've got to fight. you got one week to get yourself ready. How much sense would it make to do this? Fast for the entire seven days. Eat nothing. Drink no water. 
You say, for seven days I will starve myself, I will dehydrate myself in, in order to prepare myself to go in and face this, this powerful enemy. That's what I'm going to do. Is that going to increase the likelihood that you're going to beat him? Or is that going to increase the likelihood that he's going to beat the daylights out of you? You tell me. You're going in in a weakened, depleted condition. And if the odds were already against you, now they're stacked against you in an even greater way. Here's what the enemy knows. When you and I go for days on end and we neglect this book, we go weeks on end, we neglect this book. We go months on end and we neglect this book. We're not learning it, nor are we applying it. You know what we're doing? We are starving ourselves spiritually. We're depriving ourselves of spiritual strength. And then when the battle ensues and, and you got to engage the enemy, at best you reach down deep inside and you got to fight the battle in your own strength. And you know what Jesus said about our fleshly nature? He said the flesh is willing, but it is weak. And we lose and we lose and we lose and we lose. And guys, outside of learning and applying this book, we don't have one chance of demolishing a stronghold. Breaking free from addiction and overcoming our enemy. We got to learn it. We got to apply it. And I'll tell you, when the time comes, we got to use it. You know why you got to use the Bible? Because the devil's going to use the Bible against you. He knows this book well. And he is gifted at taking different verses from the Bible and twisting them and manipulating them so that they appear to say something they don't. And he'll use those verses to encourage you to do something you shouldn't do and do it with full peace of mind. Well, the Bible says he's going to use the Bible against you, so you've got to know how to use the Bible against him. That's what Jesus did when he was tempted in the wilderness. You know, when, when young men and women join the Marines, they're issued a weapon. I think that's a good thing, don't you? If you're going into combat, let me tell you something they have to add to that. They've got to teach them how to use the weapon. Guys, we have been furnished a weapon. We got it. You know what the, I think the problem could be? We've never taken the time to learn how to use it. We've got to. We've got to. Hmm. So you know what that means? The things that I've taught you in the past year about getting in this book, reading this book, researching this book, reflecting on this, you've got to do that. You've got to do that. I, if you don't do that, you're raising the white flag and saying, beat the fire out of me. Take what you want. Lead me anywhere you want, even if it's to ruin. That is what you're saying. Guys, it takes daily regimen, daily time in the Word. Are, are y'all with me? You know what I'm wrestling with. I'd like to wrap this up. I don't want to rush it. It's stuffy in here to me. Of course, I've had pneumonia. <laughs> I'm burning up. That, that ought to encourage you. Some of you have been shaking my hand going, oh, my God. <laughs> I'm going to give you the last three because they're kind of self-explanatory. You ready? You're going to declare war, right? You're going to get on your knees and fight. You're going to arm yourself for battle. Number four, you're going to enlist the help of fellow soldiers. Listen to me. Don't, don't fight this battle alone. You know one of the ways that God pours his strength into people? Through people. You've met people like that, haven't you? 
You're not around them 30 minutes and you feel infused with God's strength because they just have that ability. They're that conduit for me of his power. Here's what I'm saying is if you are battling an addiction, you've got to bring somebody else into the battle. You've got to tell somebody. If you're going to fight it alone, I'd say the odds are you're going to lose this one. I know what you're thinking, Ronnie. I'm embarrassed. I'm humiliated. This happened. Well, listen, you ought to have to stand up here in front of a whole church and admit your addiction. Huh? I'm, I think you're being let off easy. Maybe just, I think there's got to be somebody in your world that you trust that's not going to judge you, not going to condemn you. Somebody who will stand alongside you. And the main thing they need to do for you is they need to pray for you. And they need to pray as though your life depends on it. Because I believe this, in many cases, it does. For some of you, that means you probably need to ask for a transfer from your current unit. Because instead of helping you fight the battle, I think sometimes they help you lose the battle. There's a verse in the Bible that says that bad company corrupts good character. If you're battling against alcohol abuse and everybody you hang around with, you know, if their recreation, re- recreational activity is getting drunk, I'm telling you, it ain't going to work for you. You're going to have to pull back and walk away for a while. You're going to have to surround yourself with people from whom the help of God would come. Instead of dragging you down, they're building you up. So enlist the help of fellow soldiers. Number five, and this one may have helped me more than anything. Focus on one battle at a time. War lasts for life. Don't worry about winning the war. You just focus on winning the next battle. You know how the enemy created his stronghold in you? One yes at a time. He created a tempting situation. He put it before you, and I'm sure you fought it for a long time. And finally, you said yes. And the next time he presented the temptation, it was a little easier to say yes. And the next time, a little easier. And every time you said yes, it was as though the devil were putting another block in the wall of the prison you now find yourself in. You know how to get out of it? You know how to tear one down? One no at a time. One block. One block. You pray that God would do anything and everything possible so that the next time you face the temptation that you have the strength, you have his strength to say no. You know what you'll find? The next time the enemy comes along, it'll be a little easier to say no. And the next time, a little easier to say no. And the next thing you know, one no at a time, you're dismantling that stronghold, that prison wall. That's what's happening. Stop worrying about the war. Worry about Sunday. When you get up in the morning, don't worry about the war. You worry about Monday. You focus on one battle at a time. If you'll win Monday, great. Get up and try to win Tuesday. If you win Tuesday, great. You know what? The next thing you know, you've won a week. The next thing you know, you've won a month. The next thing you know, you've won a year. You know the way to win a war? One battle at a time. That's how you do it, guys. Focus on one battle at a time. And the last thing I tell you is this, and we're doing fine. Never retreat. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. If you're, if you're a true addict, if you're a true addict to some degree, you, the devil's going to catch you in a vulnerable moment. He's going to. He's going to come up with a new way to set you up. And the next thing you know, you're going to find yourself giving in to temptation. And at that moment, you've got to decide what you're going to do. And let me tell you what the enemy is going to encourage you to do. Raise a white flag. You ain't nothing but an addict, and that's all you'll ever be. Okay, Ronnie, you had a brownie. Why not have eight? Huh? Just go for it. 
You've done it again. Why don't you just give up on the idea of breaking free from this? Accept who you are and what you are and, and, just, and just surrender to me. You know what? You can do that. I'm going to recommend that you don't. Never retreat, regroup. Don't give up, get up. You learn from it. You identify why you were vulnerable at that moment. You identify how he set you up. You fortify yourself so that next time it's even tougher for him to pull this off. Here's the deal, guys. This will work. This will work. This will plug you into something that works every time against every addiction. Some of you need to win some battles. And if you'll do what I've shared with you today, I promise you, you'll start winning some battles en route to winning the war. Let's bow our heads together for prayer. Every head bowed, all eyes closed. I'm going to ask you to do something. Now, I, I don't want anybody in this church with their eyes open right now but me, okay? Ain't nobody but me. Now, Brock's walking and Scott's walking, but they're about to stop and they're going to close their eyes. You got it? I took a step of faith here today. I shared with you. I've shared with you where my Bible's at. I'm not asking you to say anything or disclose anything, but I am asking you this. You're battling with addiction. You're, you're battling with some form of addiction. But today, you're declaring war against that addiction. I'm going to ask you to lift your right hand real high and hold it up there for a second. Come on. That's it. That's it. That's it. You can put them down. Now, I want you guys to know something. There were hands went up all over this church. here's where we are we're at the outbreak of war I pray that today the tide turns I pray that it turns today for each and every person sitting in this church I pray that they start winning battles put their head on the pillow at night that they could say this I won today I worry about tomorrow tomorrow but I won today let them taste victory God and I know that this sermon requires steps on our part you help us be faithful to take those steps and I pray that we will plug into your strength fight this addiction in your strength. In the name of Jesus, we pray together. Amen. Thank you, guys. You're dismissed.